From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is On Second Thought. I'm Virginia Prescott. Okay, it's confession time. There's been a lot of really important news going on in the world. Yet this last week or so, the OST team found ourselves talking about the turmoil in Britain. Not Brexit, but Megxit. Or more accurately, the response to Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's surprise decision to step back from their duties as senior royals. That move has revealed a range of opinions about monarchy, race, class, and media, and not just in Britain, but here in the U.S. Well, we're going to get below the surface of that this morning with Patrick Allett. He's history professor at Emory University. Good morning. Good morning. And Lisa Respers-France is with us. She's senior entertainment writer for CNN. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. All right. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex apparently surprised everybody when they announced on Instagram that they were carving out a more progressive role in the institution wanted to become financially independent, maybe even split their time between Britain and North America. Patrick, any historic precedent for this among royals? There's a lot of precedent. Uh, back in the 1930s, the king decided to abdicate his throne altogether so that he could marry the uh, the woman he loved, an American, Wallace Simpson. Uh, Princess Diana, Harry's mother, uh, divorced her husband, partly, I think, because they were incompatible and partly because of the intolerable pressure put on her by the paparazzi. So this is one more event in a long history of the human realities bumping up against the institutional requirements. The news is the same week there were wildfires consuming Australia, planes shot down in Tehran, yet the story became a topic of spirited debate in Britain and here. Lisa, why do you think so many are captivated by the family dramas of the royals? Well, we came out of the UK. Um, this country is fairly new. People have a tendency to forget. And I think people are just obsessed with royalty. They're like celebrities, but times 100. So people are just fascinated by being born into a royal family and all that goes into that. And so this story has just been tremendously fascinating. And it's so debatable. It, like, like you said, it's about the monarchy. It's about class. It's about race. It has all the things that titillate us and get us to talk. And people have had so many opinions about it. Originally, I think there was a lot of sympathy. Then the BBC reported that no one apparently in the royal family knew about this. I think that turned the tide. And a lot of responses about, oh, they want the money and the privilege without the responsibilities, you know, poor little prince. How much money are we talking about from British taxpayers, Patrick? Uh, well, it's in the millions. On the other hand, the royal family has to do a lot of work and has to accept the idea that it's on display all the time. So although if you look at it purely as an accountancy matter, you can become indignant about the, the cost of it. Um, a lot comes back in the form of attracting tourists to Britain. I, I certainly think it's misleading to regard royalty as a drain on the, royal, on the nation's finances. If anything, there are people whose service to it do, does more harm than good and brings in more than it sends out. How about that opinion about the Queen, however? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not a royal scholarly maid. I have no <laughs> intel on how this all went down. But so many are affronted on behalf of the Queen. I'm, I'm curious, Lisa, why, why people think they know this woman or her thoughts. And this is not someone who's shown herself to be emotionally accessible. This is going to sound horrible, but I feel like people believe that they know the Queen because they watch The Crown. Uh, maybe so. <laughs> Patrick watch, is nodding his head. Right. They watch The Crown, which is a dramatiz dramatization, of course, of the royal family. And they feel like they know everything about her and how she must obviously be thinking and feeling at this moment. But so much is getting lost in the conversation, including the fact that Prince Charles has been saying that he wants to streamline the monarchy. So it, it felt like 
Prince Harry and Meghan were going to have to take a step back anyway. But nobody's really talking about that, it mm-hmm. feels. Well, there's been plenty of speculation as to the whys here in official and social media, including how tabloids have treated Harry and especially Meghan. Here's a clip from a documentary about the Sussexes for ITV. This was from back in October. For me and for, and for my wife, you know, there's a, there's a, of course there's a lot of stuff that hurts, um, especially when the majority of it is untrue. I will not be bullied <laughs> into, into, into playing a game that, that killed my mum. I'm going to put this to you first, Patrick, because you talked about the the unbelievable pressure. That's a pretty damning blow of the paparazzi that the role of the death in his of his mother, former Princess Diana, died in a crash in 97 while being pursued by photographers on motorcycles. What has Harry and Meghan's relationship been with the press and how different than other royals? Well, I think that it's comparable to the others in the sense that the the media are after them all the time and would like to deny them any moment of privacy. And they're completely shameless. I think the British paparazzi are even more horrible than those of other parts of the world in their predatory, shark-like, relentless pursuit of the royal family. It must have been extremely difficult, especially for someone like Meghan Markle coming in from outside. I mean, it's bad enough to have been born to it and raised with it and have the expectation that you're doing it all the time. But a new level of pressure, even for someone who's already a movie star, to suddenly be exposed to that degree of scrutiny. And as we heard in the clip there, the, the certain knowledge that much of it's not true, mm-hmm. that any little scrap of rumor is inflated into a, a story as though it were true. It must be extremely uh, painful and, and difficult to deal with. In that same documentary, she did say she was warned by friends the tabloids would tear her apart, but she thought she may have been naive as an American uh, there is BuzzFeed actually did a breakdown of the comparison of how she was portrayed in the media compared to her sister-in-law, Kate Middleton. Uh, Lisa, what kind of things did were revealed in that? Well, one of the pictures actually motivated me to write something about race and Meghan Markle. There, the, one of the headlines was talking about Kate lovingly cradling her baby bump. But then they had a headline saying that Meghan Markle was trying to get attention by consistently grabbing her stomach and making everyone aware that she's pregnant. And so the portrayal, the very different portrayal of the two women made me start thinking about how race really factored into this. And so when Kate ate an avocado, she was trying to be healthy. When Megan ate an avocado, there was some nefarious things said behind that. And it, it, it was just so it, it's it's so shocking when you see the comparison and you see it in, in black and white, literally. Lisa Vespers, Vespers, France there. Sorry about that. Senior entertainment writer for CNN. Also with me, Patrick Allett, a history professor at Emory, Emory University. And we're talking about I guess the surprisingly opinionated responses to Prince Harry and his wife Meghan's decision to step back from their senior royal duties. Let's dig into that a little bit, because from the first, when Meghan and Harry went public with their relationship, this was back in November of 2016, tabloids and Twitter exploded with racist remarks. The Daily Mail posted a headline reading, Harry's girl is almost, in parentheses, straight out of Compton. Harry says that is racism. Is that fair? I think that's absolutely fair. Um, I had a lot of blowback and from people who were upset when I wrote about how she's being treated has to do with her race. She claims that she, you know, she claims being biracial, which is, you know, how she identifies. But she's very much being treated like a black woman in that you see these dog whistles and this coded language. And then sometimes not so coded at all. I mean, there was a presenter in the UK that tweeted a picture of a, a chimp. And made a joke about baby Archie being presented to the world. Mm. And so 
that's racist. You know, you can say, oh, I was just making a joke, but it's racist. I've never seen uh, white parents have their child referred to as a chimp. So uh, certainly looking at the comments, you know, that I've seen in response to articles, seeing how people judge her, it's amazing, first of all, how convinced people are that they have an accurate read in their mind. And again, that coded language. What did it mean for the monarchy to have a biracial woman and a divorcee and an American in the mix? Well, it's a a public relations masterstroke, really, because what it means is that anyone who loves the monarchy, which is to say most of the nation, is immediately confronted with the idea that it's got to love a member of a population group, which until recently wasn't part of British life. I mean, I think one of the great differences between Britain and America is that Britain only very recently became a multiracial society. It's really since the 1950s and the end of the British Empire that citizens from the West Indies and from India and Pakistan have come to Britain, and the Britons had to go through a a transformation of its understanding of race relations very recently by comparison with America, which has a a long and tragic history of it. So you think, how do you think they're faring in that transformation? Well, it's a very mixed picture. there's, there, there isn't, I mean, the, the good side of it is that there's much less of a long heritage of discrimination. There certainly has been plenty of discrimination recently. But I think also a general willingness on the part of every or nearly everyone in public life to say this is a burden. We mustn't follow America down a very baleful road. We've got to do it better. And the fact that uh, Harry decided to marry someone who was biracial, I think was a source of Uh, It was an encouraging thing, even though, unfortunately, there are going to be people who will exploit it in the wrong way. Mm. The royal family, famously private. The Queen Mother apparently had a motto, never complain, never explain. So what does it say that Harry and Meghan have been relatively open with the media? It's one of the reasons why I'm so bothered by uh, Megan being blamed for this step back because Harry Even calling it Megxit right. sort of makes it about her. Exactly. Right? And Harry has been very open from the beginning that he was not going to be your typical monarch. He's not going to be your typical prince at all. As you just brought up, I mean, he married a woman of color. No one had done that in the royal family before. And so I feel like there is like this kind of sense of them saying we're just going to be who we are and you guys are just going to have to deal with it. Um, And so they when they came out and made this surprise announcement, it wasn't a surprise to some people who felt like, well, he already let us know that he did not love this type of lifestyle. And he definitely seems like he's trying to protect his family from the fate that his mother you know, had to deal with. Well, and I actually think of that picture uh, after his at his mother's funeral. You know, there's a little boy following the casket. No one's holding his hand. No. You know, there's no sort of uh, emotional acknowledgement of what went on. Um, Prince Harry, of course, is among the most popular of the royals. Both of you have said that his wedding was their wedding was watched by 29 million Americans, generated an estimate one billion pounds in revenue from tourism. He also confirmed in October some personal tension with his brother, William. So is the royal family's reputation or image or even even revenues at risk if their beloved grandson buggers off to, to, to Canada? <laughs> no, not really. The, the whole point about monarchy is that it, it's based upon the idea of human inequality. Obviously, one of the things that's had to happen in recent decades is that it's had to adapt to a much more democratic world. But... The the point about the monarchy is that it's a way of separating um, the head of state from the head of government. 
and if conferring upon the head of state the idea that they're not equal. The whole point about them is that they're, they're not equal, they're different. When I was growing up in Britain, nobody talked about human equality. The, the, the subject just never came up. And the difficulty, I think, now in adapting for the monarchy particularly has been how does it operate in a world where clearly they are given special opportunities and special privileges but also special responsibilities how do they combine that with the idea that they're presiding over a democratic society in a way they're problems which are unanswerable although in the globe and mail yesterday there was an opinion piece this is the news one of the newspapers of record in canada and they said no the royals can't come here this is you know we are separate from them any yeah how is canada feeling about all this <laughs> It's funny because you have some Canadians who are thrilled and say, oh, she must have fallen in love with us when she was filming Suits here. And you have others who are like, yeah, no, we don't need her. She can go to Los Angeles. So it's it's mixed. People, I just feel like it, people have such a visceral reaction to their life and to this couple. It's interesting. Either you really love them or you seem to just not really want to deal with them at all. Or or you think, well, there are a lot of other things going on in the world. Right. These are rich people problems. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> so what do you think? Do you see this as the future of monarchy, you know, designing your own sort of role, or is this the first domino to fall in their eventual demise? It's part of a continuing process. The long history of the royal family shows dozens of cases of people uh, acting badly or acting strangely or not following the conventions. And it's also true that because Harry's only sixth in line to the throne anyway, it's not as though the king is going, as he did in 1936, or as though the heir to the throne is going. He's unlikely ever to have been king anyway. In fact, he wouldn't have been unless there was an absolute catastrophe. So it doesn't really matter. It's a tempest in a teapot. Patrick Allity's history professor at Emory University. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. And Lisa Respers France, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Lisa is senior entertainment writer for CNN. Coming up, should Georgia accept more refugees? What well, we're going to get perspective from a conservative businessman from Clarkston. When on second thought continues. Stay with us.